What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isaac and Candace. Although I'm going to be like a, uh, I guess, the Diet Coke version of myself on this episode. I had some technical difficulties. Did not get to watch the game last night. And I actually don't even have the final score up. I believe it was like, what, like 109? 109-97. Got it. Yeah. 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 So, look, I was going to get it right without even having it up yet. These guys were able to watch the game. Candace was at the game. Didn't even know. Didn't tell us nothing. We messaged her about getting on recording last night. And she's like, oh, I was at the game. I'm sorry. I'm like, dang, really? So, are, are the Grizzlies winning the championship this year? 2-0 in the preseason, steamrolling people. We're having the parade this season, right? Yep. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think so, man. If you don't go to and over the preseason and not win a championship, man, that that doesn't hey, happen, man. I mean, it's just hammering people out there, going on the road, man, beating Milwaukee. I mean, what, man, what else you got to do? Salty Obama's an all star, <laughs> man. Listen, preseason all star for sure. All first team all, all defense. Let's just keep <laughs> yeah. rolling. Yeah, I I can't believe. So, well, what happened to him in those summer league games where he looked? like a deer in the headlights and then he comes out after that at media day like a bunch of people are gassing him up you're going to be surprised at what you see from santi aldama you're going to be surprised by aldama you're going to be and then he gets in these preseason games and he and he's cooking you know he, he ended last night he was uh he had 21 points six rebounds the oh, i was looking at the wrong one i thought he had a block shot too but made four threes like just playing out of his mind. I, I don't know. Don't know what happened. I'm glad that it happened because if he plays at this level, I think that the Grizzlies can not just tread water. I think that they can excel even with Jaron being off of the floor. I, I think I have a little insight. I heard I heard this from Drew Hill, so this is not a direct source at all. But but anyway, I heard that with the summer league, Santi basically he had he he'd been in Spain, so he basically came from Spain directly and went straight into summer league. He had been playing basketball very much, I think, up to that point. So it explains some of the, I guess, between the jet lag and him, you know, really not playing basketball. Uh, that could be some explanation for why he looks so bad. Maybe, um, you know, this is what I've heard. Um, But, I mean, there certainly is something that shifted for him. And that if, if he keeps up this consistent play, then I'm going to, you know, have no choice but to really believe that story because he hasn't really looked at all like that same player who didn't belong on the NBA floor like he did those first, you know, two two games. I know for sure there was two games um, that he really just didn't even look like he belonged. And then he just kind of started to switch and um, kind of became that guy. He summer league, made summer league uh, all second team, I think. And, um, you know, he's, he played, had a great preseason game as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that would make a lot of sense because, like you said, early on in the summer league, in the Utah summer league, he he really struggled. Like, you're concerned because you're thinking, okay, this is year two now. He shouldn't be looking like this against this level of competition. You at least want to see some improvement, and he kind of looked like the same guy that we saw in uh, last year in the summer league. Uh, but once he went out to Vegas, man, things flipped. I guess he had to get his feet on him, like you said, the jet lag, and maybe he had to work himself in, get in some of those practices out there, but this started out in Vegas. Uh, looked really good out there. And you go into media days, you said to a man, everybody from climbing to Taylor Jenkins to all the, all the players, that you're going to be surprised about by Sunday. And I think going into these preseason games, I think that was the biggest thing that you were looking for uh, with this Grizzlies team. 
Um, you know what a lot of these other guys are going to do. It's not not that you don't care what happens with those guys, but I think the biggest thing that you wanted to see was did Santi look like a rotation player or a guy that could start for you uh, in, in a pinch while Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be out however long that is. And the quick answer to that, through the Vegas Summer League and these first two preseason games, the answer is a resounding yes. Um, I mean, came out aggressive last night, and that's, that's one thing even more than the production itself. I mean, you can just see in his body language, um, in his interviews, he's just much more confident than he was last season. Like, there's no question about that. I mean, there's some moves that I've seen him do that he probably wouldn't even attempt at last season. I talked about one that he made in the uh, the Milwaukee game where he uh, took the ball, got the rebound off the rim, and took it all the way up the floor, uh, penetrated inside, and dished it off to Kenny Chandler. Kenny Chandler missed three. Uh, but I liked that he was able to push the ball, to see him push the ball up the floor like that and able to make that pass out to the wing. There was another one last night uh, where he didn't finish this one either, but he pumped fake three and then drove to the basket, got there with ease, and I like to see that as well. Uh, but came out aggressive, shot the ball well. I mean, four or five and three, man, just unconscious, man, shooting it. And he talked about this in his walk-off interview. He talked about being on the floor with better players um, and how much that makes the game easier because he's not used to being out there with guys like Jai and, and Dylan Brooks and Steven Adams. He's out there with, with the second-string guys and two-way guys. He's not used to playing with these guys. And he said that creates a lot of much better looks for him than he used to get, man. And he's taking it and run with it. And, and I think one important thing about this is if he is ends up being the player that he looks like he can be, when Jaron comes back, this is going to make that depth that much better because now you're going to have a guy who's got some experience in the starting lineup that can come off the bench and really be productive for you. And that's what I'm really excited about. And I think that just makes this team better. Yeah, so, and, and to, to go with that aggressiveness, to me, he looked like he was a little bit more ready for any physicality. Um, I'm not saying he just looks tremendously different body-wise, but he just looks like he, he may be able to absorb contact a little bit better. And there's still, obviously, you know, some way to go, but it's year two for him and he's come a long way already. So, but he look, I, I, I can see where he, where he said he's worked on his strength. It doesn't show if you're just looking at appearance, but what, I mean, you can tell he looks just a little bit more comfortable on, or, and better understand some of the physicality that will come with the game. He had six rebounds, which is about, I mean, what you might get for, for Jaron. I mean, sure you could say you want him to do better, but I mean, Jaron's getting you what somewhere between six to eight rebounds himself. So, and, and then with him being able to shoot the three, I don't really expect him to be able to shoot four or five because that's just, you know, that's, that's mind-blowing. But but I expect him to to look better, and we'll see if this carries over to the regular season. It is still preseason, but this is against NBA competition, so it, it was definitely a good look and very encouraging to see, especially given that, it, depending on how it goes, it might be an upgrade, you know, from a three-point line from Jaron, who had a pretty who had a down year, you know, at 31% last year. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Like I said, I want him – See, the consistency is the biggest thing for me. It can't he be consistent at this level of play? But if he can, man, that's just another hit for climbing. King climbing just keeps keep coming in. Um, and I'm and it makes me even more excited to, if he can show himself and be a you know a starter in this point. Then that's just it adds to the depth of this team. That the depth just continues to grow, especially when Jaron comes back. You got Santi coming off the bench. I mean, that's just an incredible depth piece. Uh, for you and he'd have valuable experience being a starter so so let's talk about that depth um we're looking at this starting lineup from last night the grizzlies run out john morant desmond bain dylan brooks aldama at the four adams at the five with zaire coming off of the bench 
if history tells us anything about Taylor Jenkins, he is a creature of habit, right? Like that when when it comes to lineups, there's not a lot of changing there. Oh, he wouldn't need so, to be. Like, do, do you do you expect that this starting lineup that we saw last night from Taylor Jenkins is going to be what the Grizzlies run with heading into the the season opener? Yeah. I, I, I absolutely do. I think the I think this was more of the dress rehearsal. I don't know if they'll have another dress rehearsal, but I even think in terms of the rotations, kind of you know not just with the starting lineup, but throughout the game, it's more similar to what he might do in the regular season. Um, and, and it makes sense, but I, I'll let you elaborate. On it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I agree with Candace. I think this was kind of the game, first home game that we're looking at. Okay, we're going to play our guys tonight, and I think that starting lineup is what you would see. I was kind of thinking that they maybe go with um, uh, Dylan Brooks at the four uh, with, with Zaire starting, uh, but they decided to, to kind of have Bain and Brooks in the starting lineup with Aldama. So I think that's what they're going to roll with. And I think with Aldama, um, and, and, and me and David kind of talked about this last night, when, when you look at this roster, if you, you're talking about replacing Jared, nobody on this roster is going to replace him defensively. But I think when you look at Aldama, he's a guy that can do some of the same things. He can shoot from the perimeter. He can do some things in a face-up game, and I think he kind of can replicate some of those things maybe on a lower level. Maybe even Kansas said when you talk about a three-point shooting, maybe even an upgrade because uh, Jaron kind of struggled from three last night, and I, I don't know if Aldama's going to keep up this high percentage, but from Vegas to these two games, man, he's really shooting the basketball well with confidence for the perimeter, man. He's looking for that three-point shot and, and really knocking it down. I mean, we saw last year in, in that Utah Summer League where he couldn't, couldn't throw it in the ocean. I mean, he's putting it up, but some of those shots weren't even close, man. We were shooting air balls, front rim, weren't even close. And now he's nothing but net on a lot of those shots. He's banking in threes, man. He's super confident shooting that shot. So hopefully that, that continues. Like he changed his form. It yeah, like it does. He, it does look like he, yeah, it does look like I, he. I can give the, the, uh, shot. the full on Charles Barkley guarantee that he's not going to shoot 80% from three. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like that would, no, you, know, you get I mean, four for five I know that you weren't implying, not implying no. that, but yeah, that's, you know, 80% would be uh, some sort of record. I don't know what the, uh, the record is for the best three point percentage in a season, man, but man, it's about Desmond Bain, man. Destroyed. Just give us the break, like yeah, right now. Yeah, it's about Desmond Bain, man. We got Saudi Obama out there. No, <laughs> no man. Uh, but yeah, man, this starting lineup, I do think, like you said, I mean, Taylor Jenkins is, Creature of habit, I think, even to a fault. There were times where I think Grizz Nation and we were on this show, like, imploring different changes to the starting lineup, man. And he even I mean, going back into the playoffs, uh, we kind of wanted Steven Adams to jump back in there, and he kind of kind of took his time for putting him back in there. And we've seen those kind of things at times. But, um, I mean, you can't argue with it too much, I mean, with the results. I mean, I can't, can't dock him too much. I think he was the coach of the year last year. I think he got shafted. But I do think this is the starting lineup that we'll see. Um, and they looked good last night. Um, and John Morant just in just one gear, like it, you could tell it was preseason home opener or game 43 uh, last night. I mean, he's in midseason form already. Wasn't holding anything back, man, doing 360s, just doing all kinds of stuff. And, and, the, and the effort on the defensive end, yes. uh, I saw last night, man, he was working hard out there on defense in a preseason game. So I think that bodes well for what we're going to see from him this season. And I think he's noticeably thicker. Like you could tell that he's been in the weight room this 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 summer. Like, I mean, he's not going to be a guy that with that frame is going to be able to put on a whole lot of weight, but you can look at him and tell that that he's been in that weight room. He's a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger out there. And you can notice that last night, man, fighting through screens. I mean, he was, yeah. didn't look like he was in a preseason game, man. I was impressed with what I saw with him. And honestly, 
I don't know. I, I'm sure they'll play him again this preseason. I, I don't think we need to see anything else from him, man. That yeah. he came down with that crap that scared the hell out of me, man. I thought like, man, we can't. This cannot be happening, man. Luckily, it was just a crap, man. But I think we've seen all we need to see is John Moran, man. We know what he's about. Yeah, now I 100 agree. He had three steals. Uh, he had four rebounds, which is good. He looked like he was seeking them out. It, it is it's similar. It reminds me of when he played in the playoff series. I think particularly against Timberwolves was noticeable because he wasn't really able to, you know, shoot very well, shoot very efficiently. Yeah. Would rack up the assist and he would rack up the rebounding. And that's when I really noticed his ability. I mean, he he's actually got a pretty good knack for it. He just didn't really try before. I, I don't think I did. he let kind of other people take on that responsibility, but he seems to be taking that upon himself. I mean, he ended the game with 22, 22 points and uh, seven assists and three steals. And, and, and man, that was in 21 minutes. Like he could have easily went for thirty and 20, ten, like had he oh, played, he, you know, in the fourth quarter, easily. So I mean, he really is. He looks like he is trying to make himself more of a two way player, and he, you could tell. I think he he really wants that MVP, but I think he he wants to win. But I think he, you can tell that he's uh made himself to to be a little bit more well rounded, which is great, not just for the, the team, but but for himself and his ascent. Hey, you yeah. talk about that re- rebounding. Taylor Jenkins talked after after the game about. Not having Jared in there, I know Jared is not. It's, it's always been criticized for his rebounding, but I mean, he rebounded the basketball pretty well last year. And then you look at the rebounding numbers he had when Stephen Adams were out. I mean, it, off the chart. So I mean, he does help in the rebounding. And Taylor Jenkins said he told the guys that Stephen Adams is not always going to be on the floor. Man, we got to find other ways to rebound the basketball. So that might be some of the aggression that you saw because he talked a lot about team rebounding. He said he's got to drill that into them in practices that the guards and everybody has to rebound the basketball and I think you saw that last night. If yeah. you go you go back to the Milwaukee game, you could see it inside ear. Like he was crashing on the on the defensive end. He was yeah. crashing the boards. I don't remember what he finished with. And like I said, I, I wasn't able to watch this game last night. The the few little places where I was able to get it on, I do remember hearing Brevin say something um, you know, we're, we we talk about growth and steps for players. And Brevin said, and I and I don't know exactly how he worded it, but something along the lines of that next step for Ja Morant may come on the defensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of the all-time great players, they were not just good on the offensive end of the floor. Like to be the best of the best, and we know that that is Ja Morant's goal. Because at media day, he was asked that question specifically. It's like, you know, John Morant, you, you've been rated as a top 10 NBA player. How does that feel? And he's like, are we being honest? It's not good enough. I'm not satisfied. I, you know, I want to be the best player. And so he knows where he wants to get better. He knows where the holes in his game are, and he's going to work on it. And so, you know, to get to – and man, I'm not even going to say what I'm thinking right now because I don't want the backlash from it. But to get to the elite of the elite, you have to be good on both ends of the floor. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was going to say, I talked about this, about one thing about Ja is that I love about him is his awareness. Like there have been times where people have kind of asked him about his mid-range shooting and he kind of blows it off like, like, like it's nothing. But he understands what he needs to work on to go to that next level. Um, there's no doubt about that. And like you said, he works on it in the dark. Um, like a lot of times he kind of takes when people kind of criticize or not necessarily criticize, but question parts of his game. He He's working on this stuff. There's, there's 
no doubt about it. The work ethic is there. He understands and is very aware of what he needs to do to get to that next level. And I think his hunger and drive is going to make sure that he kind of perfects these things because if he gets assisted with that mid-range jumper, like you said, I mean, he's going to be unguardable. Like, I mean, there's going to be nothing that you can do if he consistently knocks down a, a mid-range jumper. Like I've said all the time, that he needs to study Chris Paul in the summertime. Those mid-range jumpers, man, if he can get that down, man, it's like I said, he could be the best player in this league. I mean, there's question about that. I know that's crazy, uh, but it's just David just said, it's not really crazy. Um, you already see the top 10 player in the NBA, and he's only been in the, in the league a few years. I mean, the arrow's pointing up. like the, and, and I don't think he's not at that ceiling yet. I think there's more room to grow from him, and he's already already on such a high level. It's even scary to even say that. Right. And, and one thing that was that was interesting to see was, you know, we talked about before with the loss of Kyle Anderson and the loss of De'Anthony Melton, who would step up and sort of provide those deflections, provide that sort of those hustle plays. And it looks like they just decided that they're going to do that within. I'm not take anything away from those guys because those things, those guys were extremely valuable. But I, I thought that they were going to have to completely change how they want and just and just, just have to, you know, focus on the half court. And I do think that's a point of emphasis. At least it was an attempt for the front office to get in some more shooting, even though it was, you know, with more focus on the rookies. I think that was the thought process, but it still seems like, you know, they still had 50 points in the paint this game. They still had uh, fat, 30 fast break points, you know, those 12 still. So they still seem to be making that a point of emphasis. And, you know, it, some of that may come from John. I mean, you saw a perfect example of that where he, you know, um, steals the ball and just kind of takes off. And that's when he gets that 360 spin, you know, all along in the half court by himself. Um, I mean, he's going to be doing that. It's, it's, it's really going to, it allows it opens up even much even more for the Grizzlies. Um, they can they can continue to play the way they were playing, but not be so dependent on that and have a little bit more flexibility in terms that they do have to play half half court offense. They can do that more effectively as well with improved shooting. Yeah, I'm so glad that they added the the take foul penalty. I mean, that's going to be yeah. big for for a team like the Grizzlies. Man, they're going to get so many points because there's so many times where they'd have a fast break guy, they just grab guys. That's going to be big for the Grizzlies. Another uh, rules thing that I, when the rules came out a few weeks ago, I tweeted about this. I was like, the new rule where they can penalize teams for jumping up and, and standing on the bench. And the Grizzlies are known for that. Uh, I mean, love those celebrations on the bench. And they actually got a warning last night uh, during the game. So that's going to be something to that's interesting to watch. I think they kind of started this rule because I think that during the playoffs in Dallas, Dallas had a couple of instances where some, something was going on there and the NBA decided to, to crack down on that. But again, man, I think the first time they give you a warning, I think the second time it could be a technical foul, I want to say. Uh, but the Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies and the Magic both got a warning last night. So it's going to be something interesting to watch. I know it's going to kind of be hard for the Grizzlies because they're so used to jumping up and, and doing all the stuff on the bench, man. And the NBA referees can call a penalty on you now. So that's going to be something interesting to watch. I had a question you, on that, actually. Yeah, I didn't if have you any. read that rule, it's just they can, like, after a big play happens, they can do it. They have to be setting down in a reasonable amount of time because I thought, I'm like when I was when I first read about that rule, I was like, so they don't want these dudes to be happy for their teammates. They're supposed to just like sit there and golf clap for them. And and so my understanding of it is they can still get up. Like if it's a big play, they can get up. They just can't do it for an extended period. Yeah, okay. they, called a, they called a warning on them last night, and it wasn't 
I, they weren't really doing anything egregious. So I, I guess it's at the referee's discretion, I guess. I don't, I, I don't know, man. But again, man, that, that turned into like the no fun league as people call it the NFL, man. Let these guys have fun as long as they're not coming on the court. I mean, what difference does it make that you're celebrating on, on, on the sideline? Like, I don't, I don't get it. But anyways. Yeah, I, I think part of it was also, I, I think when you're talking about the playoffs, I think I remember something along that somebody got hurt. I think somebody ended up, because of the, the players were standing up, I think it, I ended up getting hurt or something like that. I don't know. Um, but that that might be a factor there. But it going to be my question. I was wondering, I'm like, do they, so they can't stand up at all? Because I, mean, I was thinking that maybe they just couldn't stand up for, you know, a long period of time. And I will say, Jai always took his time to sit back down. <laughs> sort of, <laughs> I was at the game, and I mean, he was standing. Yeah. They were they were standing up, but uh, yeah, they be all in the corner of, and, and everything, man. Grizzly, Grizzly, really uh, do it. Do it. I think uh, Dallas is another team that does it a lot. I mean, a lot of teams don't even do it. I mean, and that's one thing we've talked about this so much that these guys on this team really like each other and it's genuine. They support each other. They they love. I mean, just you can just see like when even going back to summer league when. Even the non-roster guys, guys that you know that weren't going to be a part of this team. Uh, what was that little point guard name that they had out there um, in one of those games? I remember John, every time he scored, he was just going going nuts, saying, that's my guy, and all, all this stuff. And this guy wasn't even going to be anybody that was going to be on the team. I mean, this culture here is just off the charts. Like, it's cliche when people say that. You'll probably hear people that cover every team talk about all the culture here. But it, it's real. Like, there's only a few teams where that's real. And I think the Grizzlies definitely – have that culture. And that's one thing that I definitely give this coaching staff credit for because they've definitely created that culture here in this locker room. And they've, they've, they've shown, man, that they're very selective in bringing people in here. Uh, and I think that has to do with they don't want to bring anybody in here. And it's just kind of, kind of messes up the vibe because, I mean, it just seems like everybody fits. Everybody works together. They're all on the same page. And, and I think they're going to be very selective in who they bring in that locker room. Yeah, high, yeah. high character guys. It, you know, Has that to seems to be the uh like kind of the target. Like the and yeah, you say like the the vibes, they they don't want to bring anybody in. I know like you and I had a conversation about Christian Wood in the off season and I was like, mm, I, you know, I'm I'm out on him and you thought I was crazy because of it. And and I was like he has just had a history where like you know, he he's been kind of a complainer and I've I mean, a lot of it probably has to do with losing, but I can't. I can't yeah. say that's all. Yeah, we, we don't. We don't know. I, yeah, I've heard so, a thing already. I've heard some. Well, I think I heard this from Tim McMahon on on the on the Chris Brennan show this morning. But he was talking about the the Dallas the Dallas basically probably Dallas, probably because they say he's coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. he was going to be the six man pretty much. And when yeah, he, I'm sure he's not happy about that. Yeah, he was like, uh, it's that was news to me. Um, so I'm not sure it was just because of losing. We'll see. This is a contract year for him, so yeah. I mean, he's got he's got to uh, you know th- this is the year he's got to come through. You know, if he's yeah. if it is an attitude thing and he's coming off of the bench, you're going to see it in Dallas. And I think the move that Dallas made in getting rid of um, you know Porzingis, I, I don't know that anybody really thought that Dallas won that trade whenever they made it, but. It was more, I think, because of the relationship between Porzingis and Doncic yeah, than anything. Doncic, for sure. And, you know, like I, I think that Dallas is going to kind of have that same mindset. They don't want anybody in there that's going to, you know, rock the boat. And that's, you know, we'll we'll see. I think, like, there's no question 
when Christian Wood is healthy and he's out there on the floor, he can, he's a walking double double when he's healthy when he's on the floor that he can ball. But, Talk about threes. You know, I mean, Carmelo he can, Anthony he can, he can ball, but Carmelo yeah. Anthony never won a championship because he was too selfish. And, and I'll say that, you know, oh, forever. You know, so we can be yeah. started on that. I've been a long, so, I've been a like, long person to, to talk about Carmelo when he right. had the opportunity to sign with the Bulls and he went back to the Knicks chasing that bag. But he could have won if he had went to Chicago. Yeah. But that I'm always talking about that. I'm I'm not gonna hate like if if a guy wants to get a bag instead of a championship. <laughs> That that's his prerogative, man. Like he can he can choose to you do respect that. For it. Yeah, and, and that's you know like if you just got to know, you know, you, yeah. If you're taking this much money, and that's you know it goes back to kind of the uh, like. Never mind. I'm gonna get in Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers conversation <laughs> on here because it's not a, a football podcast. But so yeah, they they've got this this rule back to this rule that we were talking about. They call it the Theo Pinson rule, but it said that the rule change. It limits prolonged standing of bench players slash coaches and crowding of the sideline. So I, I think – I feel like somebody, like a coach, a player ran into a coach or ran into yeah, a player that was celebrating. I remember that, and, yeah. And that, that's why it came out. But, you know, we, we know what it is. Um, we'll see. The way they're going to implement it is definitely questionable right now because it's kind of – it's a gray area it's as vague, to how yeah. they're going to implement it. Right, and I and so, I think last night they probably, like I said, they called one on both teams. Grizzlies got a warning, and Leno got a warning. They're probably trying to circumvent teams from doing it at all. They probably give these warnings out so teams will think twice about kind of doing it because they'd rather for them not to do it at all. But you, you mean you're not gonna? It's 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 crazy to just stop them from doing it. Period. But I think yeah. they're they're giving out these warnings in the preseason to let you know, like give you something to think about before you do it. Yeah. So so we can we talked about depth a little bit. Going back to, you know, we were talking about the starting lineup and, and what we thought it was going to be, if this was going to be it, or if they're going to make changes. The the depth was a question for the Grizzlies after losing Kyle Anderson to Anthony Melton. You look at production, you look at what this team is going to be when Jaron gets healthy. But even without Jaron being healthy, if they run the starting lineup, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Stephen Adams, Santi at the four, Dylan at the three, you still have three really good, three playoff rotation players in Zaire Williams, Tyus Jones, and Brandon Clark. And then you need LaRavia, Roddy, Conchar, and I'm going to put Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s name in there because I I don't see that there is any way that Kenneth Lofton Jr. is not on the main roster by the end of the season. I, I don't I, either. Like he he is doing he's doing everything right, and I I think that when they send him down to South Haven to start the season, he's going he's gonna dominate. <laughs> he's gonna continue to do everything right down there, and they're not gonna have a choice but to bring him back up. What happens to open up room? What do they do to open up room? I don't know. I'm not even gonna speculate on that. There's a ton of stuff that you can throw out there. Xavier Tillman is yet to suit up. We saw him in the summer league. We didn't mm-hmm. see him on media day. We haven't, you know, he hasn't played in any of the preseason games. There's no injury list on him. And so, you know, his DNP was coach's decision. decision. And so is Xavier Tillman on his way out? I know that there's people speculating that. 
I have no idea. I don't like what, what do you let, let's say that Tillman is on his way out. What, what does that look like for you? What does Xavier Tillman, you know, like he, what is he going to generate? What is he going to bring back? You know, the Grizzlies took him uh, early in the second round. And so like, can you expect more than a second round pick to come back for him? I think that's probably about the best that you can, can look, look for, uh, because by itself, his value and, and what his contract is, I mean, you really, I mean, I don't know what you're going to trade for him because back, he was, his contract is so low. Um, like you said, I think with it, not unless you packaging him with somebody else, I think I think that's kind of what you're going to be looking at. And I, it seems like from, from media day, like you said, I mean, the Danny Green contract is still there. And from everything that you hear, it seems like he's happy to be here. They're happy to have him here. The front office is happy to have him here. Or Taylor Jenkins kind of had the, the relationship with him prior uh, for to being here in Memphis. He's happy that he's here. I think maybe if something came along that they really, really love, they might do it. But I think it sounds like he's going to be here and they're going to at least give him a shot, maybe see how things work out into the trade deadline. If it looks like he's not going to be able to get back, maybe they try to move him then. Uh, but on, on its own, I think second-round pick is probably what you're going to be looking at. And it, it's weird with him because it, I, nobody's really asking any questions about it. Wasn't it media day? That was weird. I was wondering. He didn't play in Milwaukee. I don't even think he was there. He was there last night, but he was in a hoodie. He wasn't dressed out. So I, I don't know what's going on with him, but I'm just kind of surprised no one has really said anything about it because, again, they haven't said he was injured or anything. Uh, so it is kind of weird he's not playing because you think, especially with the Jaron situation, that he would be a guy that, they're, that they won't out there get minutes um, in, in these preseason games. And that hasn't been the case so far. Maybe he plays down the line here in the next – three games, but we'll see what happens. But it's kind of weird around him. You you have to think there might be something going on there. Well, mm -hmm. he was asked about it in the post-game conference. Somebody asked him about it in the recent post-game, and he, he basically just said it was Xavier Tillman and somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but but basically Taylor Jenkins just said something along the lines of they've got a lot of depth and they're still trying to figure out their rotation. So, uh, you know, yeah. he basically just made it sound like that he hadn't gotten around to – to, you know that 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 nothing was wrong. He pretty much assured nothing's wrong, but they just experimenting rotations because it's preseason and uh, they just hadn't. You know, they got so much depth, they're just trying to figure everything out. Pretty much, that that's that was sort of his coach speak that he gave. Yeah, <laughs> I I find it very very difficult to believe that they're looking to move him. I I just do. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that because. Why? And like if we're if we're be <laughs> if we're being honest, I don't think that the Grizzlies get past Minnesota in the in the first round if he does not come in and play. Yeah, Carl Anthony not. Towns was destroying Stephen Adams, destroying him. Like it, it wasn't like I. I I'm, just they, I know they, they got Obama now and, and yeah. Got, I was gonna, I was gonna go like, to, to the point to the point that you were just making. Maybe they are maybe deciding to maybe take Kenneth Lawson off the two-way and maybe put somebody else on the two-way, Roddy or uh, Vince Williams. And I, I don't know. I'm like, maybe they that could be the case. Because, Like you said, Kenneth Lawson Jr., right. he, he shouldn't be on a two-way. Like, yeah, he's too he... good to be on a two-way. Like, we've seen this. Like, I know a lot of people at first kind of thought it was a gimmick, but there is no question to me that right now on the offensive end, you could put him in an NBA rotation record season right now. He, he's going he's gonna to be able to score. I think the defensive end is going to be questioned. And even then, I think 
we've talked about we talked about this on the last episode. He's such a smart player that even though physical he has some physical physical limits as far as height that he gives up to some some bigger guys, but he plays really good angles because you'll see like when he goes against bigger guys, he uses that strength in his body and he makes guys readjust their shot. And a lot of times he gives up that height, but you'll see those guys kind of quick shot and they'll miss those layups and tip ins and those scores on the basket to try to get against him. I, I really do think he can play right now. I don't think there's any question. It, it's weird. You look at the NBA GM survey today, and he got some votes for the biggest like, value, the big, biggest bet, yeah, biggest value mm-hmm. rookie. He didn't even get drafted. Like that's something that you're. I don't know if that's probably that's probably never happened for our drafted guy. So that could be something they're looking at. I don't know, but X has been valuable for this team at times. I mean, you as David said, he stepped in in that game against Minnesota, played really well. I mean, you saw him in, in that game against Golden State uh, a couple years ago. Uh, where he hit the three in the corner. Um, I think that was an overtime to win that game. I mean, he's made some some big plays for his team and stepped in when guys were hurt, uh, when Jared was went down, played really well. So it, we'll see. But it's, it's kind of weird. And I didn't hear those comments from Taylor Jenkins that that uh, Candace mentioned, but that seems kind of ominous to me. That, that Because, I mean, what do you mean you haven't gotten around to it? I mean, he's a guy that's been here. I mean, everybody else is playing. Those were his I mean, words. I'm paraphrasing, but. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I, I said everybody else. Except him has been in, in a rotation. I mean, they're going deep uh, in, in the guys. He's like the only guy that hadn't played. So that's that's strange to me. If he's not injured, that is weird to me. The problem is you got, you got it at you said uh, so. Fifteen is the max. You you have thirteen active, two inactive, and two two way guys. So if you subtract Justin Bean and Jacob Gilliard, you're looking at seventeen guys that the Grizzlies have to cut down to fifteen. So that means that two of Vince Williams Jr., Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly, Kenneth Lofton Jr., Danny Green, like like I'm not even going to name the rest of them, but but two two of those five guys have got to be gone, and I don't know like they signed Junior to a two way deal with him being undrafted, I, I don't know if they could I. Like, I just don't see any way. Like, I feel like he's going to be a main roster player. So let's say that Killian Tilly is the guy because he can't stay healthy. So, like, he's an easy one to take off of that list. Yeah, and I you think have, he's gone. You have Danny Green and Jaron Jackson that are going to be your inactives to start the season. Well, then now you're sitting here and you're looking at X, you're looking at Vince Williams Jr., and you're trying, like, X is far from replaceable. Like, he's not irreplaceable. Like, you you can you can definitely replace him. I think they already have. It, it's like, and, and, and you may be right. You, you may be 100% right. But I'll tell you this. When you, if you need a defensive stop right now, there's not a player that's healthy outside of Dylan Brooks that I want to go out there and make a defensive stop other than Xavier Tillman. Like right now, the healthy players on this roster, Dylan Brooks is the only better defender on this team. Define defensive stop because I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I so, think I might. So I'll tell you like Xavier Tillman, he, there was a play in his rookie season where he got switched on the Chris Paul. Chris Paul is an assassin. 
he tears people down off the dribble and he gets to that 15 to 18 foot mid-range jumper. That's where he's made his living his entire career. And he knocks it down. When he gets a big switched on him, he destroys them nine times out of 10. Xavier Tillman was able to hold his own against Chris Paul. It's one play. I get it. I understand that's a small sample size, but Xavier Tillman is a very good defender. He's very smart. He's got good footwork that there is like, Brandon Clark in the Golden State series got destroyed when they they were targeting him. They would Steph Curry or whoever they were targeting him in the pick and roll. And Taylor Jenkins and them did not make adjustments. I was ready to rip my hair out. What little bit that I have. I don't have much. If you've ever met me in person, you know, I don't have much to pull out. But they were tearing Brandon Clark apart because he could not guard that pick and roll. I think that Xavier Tillman could have done better on that pick and roll than Brandon Clark. Steven Adams is not a good one-on-one, like an isolation type defender. And I I don't think you look at Aldama's not there. Like Bain, he's a serviceable defender, but he's not a good isolation defender. John Moran is not there yet. Zaire may be the only guy on this roster that you can have that argument with. But to me, if you're looking at inside of the system – and then an isolation type defender, I, Xavier Tillman is two for me. And, and I'm willing to, like, I'm not closed off, like, oh, I'm not going to hear anybody else. If you have an argument for somebody else, feel free to jump in. But I just. Yeah, I, I would say Zaire could, could, could feel that. I mean, for the, for the one to two, for the few opportunities, I just think there's enough on this roster, especially because more than likely the situation is only relevant in the playoffs, right? Which we expect to have Jaron back. We also have Dylan's, I think. <laughs> We'll have Dylan at that point. Um, so I just don't see it, especially given that, you know, size, I mean, he was a kind of bigger guy. He's 6'8". Dave LaRobbie is 6'8". I mean, Dave Roddy's he's 6'6". But I just don't, I just think his skill set, one, it never really fit the scheme of what the Grizzlies want to do. So that's that's one. They were hoping he could, you know, evolve his three-point shot. But with his inability to do that, it sort of makes him not a good fit for the scheme. And, and then two, for what he does bring, they brought in other players that they think can can do that and maybe better, at least to some extent. Now, I, I still would put the edge defensively to Tillman, but that's not worth the roster spot and the upside of having a floor spacer in the Grizzly system that better fits what they want to do because team defense is their model anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just kind of looking at the numbers here. It, 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 it works out. I mean, if they, they have 18 or 20 with uh, Bean and Gilliard, which we know they won't be on, on the roster. But they, without them, it's 18. You cut Tilly at 17. You put Lofton and Williams on a two-way. And then, then you have your 15 left. So they the numbers work. If the only thing you got to do is get rid of Tilly, and they're right at what they need to be at. So it, it's going to be interesting. But I, I, I think I could see them moving on from X. I just don't know. Maybe you just want to have open roster spot. They've done that in the past. Maybe they just, as Candace said, he's just really kind of like he's had big moments. Like like I said, there's no doubt about that. He's helped to win basketball games. But when you look at his skill set, he's really just never fit what they want to do. And now you have a guy in Kenneth Lofton Jr. that you're trying to develop. And maybe they just say, okay, well, he's been here for a while, man. And he's we, we're not happy. He's not going to be happy with never playing at all because we're going to try to develop Lofton and he's not going to be having it. We're going to bring an undrafted guy in here playing in front of him. So maybe we're just going to decide to 
kind of help him get somewhere else or, or move on from him. I could definitely see that. But like you said, the numbers are right. So if they want to keep him there, they can keep him there. But that's going to be something interesting to watch. I just don't know why he hadn't played. That's still kind of weird to me. I, I I like X. I do. So for the record, I, yeah, I really, I, I've I always been a supportive fan of him. I don't. I just don't think he fits the Grizzlies. So I really, you know, I want to see him get traded, not just for not because I don't think he's a good player, but just because I I like him and I think he would do better in another role, like where he can actually yeah. just play his role, uh, where maybe he has so many other shooters around him that the core player is a shooter, so it doesn't matter as much that he like like Stephen Adams is to. The Grizzlies, I mean, he could play that Stephen Adams role, but he's too undersized, so it doesn't really work the same with him. Um, so do you guys not think that we could get, like, another, you know, low-end veteran or something in exchange? Contract is going to be the issue there. Yeah, you just don't usually yeah. see two guys swap for those smaller contracts. I mean, it can be done, but you just usually don't see it. Usually guys with those kind of contracts, if they move by themselves, it usually ends up just being a – a second round and out there like again if they packed them with somebody that would be different but it, it just sounds like they plan on keeping Danny Green around uh but yes. they don't sound like there's any thoughts right. on moving him at least right now I, I think right. they're gonna let it play out and if it looks like he's not gonna be able to get back now at the deadline that could be a valuable contract 10 million dollars that you could move and add with maybe you decide to move on from Dylan at that time who knows what's gonna be going on by then but you could package him with Danny Green and then you're looking at can bring it back a significant amount of money uh, with those two guys if you decide to move them. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but uh, we'll see what happens with X. Maybe he plays on, on Friday, but he wasn't even dressed out, like I said, last night, and I, I don't even think he was in Milwaukee. I didn't see him on the bench. Yeah, I don't remember seeing yeah. him in Milwaukee either. So, guys, I, I think we've about covered it. I, I said I wasn't going to chime in a whole lot. I ended up talking quite a bit more than what I thought I was going to on this episode. Do you, do you have I had anything? a question. Go, go yeah, ahead. I, I did have a question. I wanted to ask you guys. I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on uh, Dylan Brooks' performance. Um, I think uneven. Um, I think he played well in the fourth quarter. I think defensively, he played well. Man, did some really good work on uh, Banchero, uh, who I think is going to be a, a big time player. So I was impressed by that going up against a bigger guy uh, at, at the power forward. I mean, his shooting wasn't wasn't great. Two or seven from the field. Uh, did knock down two threes, two or five from three, three or four from the free throw line. Uh, so a little un- uneven. Like when, when it comes to guys like that, when it comes to preseason, I don't always put a lot of stock in it because a lot of guys that are quote veteran guys, they don't take that as, just as seriously um, as they would the regular season. So when you, when you see stuff like that, I kind of take it with a grain of salt. But I think uneven. I think he played well defensively. He did hit some shots in the fourth quarter, but early in the game, he kind of struggled. Um, and definitely, again, man, didn't shoot the basketball well, but I mean, just just so so last night. I mean, but I again, man, I don't put a lot of stock in it because it's it's preseason and veteran guys, and sometimes those guys kind of wait to the regular season to really kind of get get into their form. So we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens. That was sort of my thought. My he's on he's on an even play. I did see more effort in him when I thought he would normally take a shot, particularly those first. Two quarters for sure. The first half, I, yeah. I think there were obvious opportunities where he probably would have normally taken a shot, but he stayed passed out. He didn't get the assist because the other person could knock it down. But I saw him make the effort, and then he sort of went a little tunnel vision there at the end, um, as Dylan Brooks can do. But I actually want to talk about, and it may it may be completely irrelevant, but it's just something that's that's been on my mind. Dylan Brooks made a comment in his uh, on media day, yeah, you know, basically saying, you know. 
well, I kind of took it as a joke originally, but that he was going to use all six of his files, and, you know, dealing with files. <laughs> but, you know, my guy had five files. <laughs> my guy had five files in that, uh, in that preseason game. And I guess I just wanted, if that really is going to be his mentality. I, just, I mean, people – I was gonna say people were making people were making jokes like national NBA guys were talking about Dylan Brooks with five fouls in a preseason game, how on brand that was for him. So that was kind of a, a joke joke that was going around. But yeah, man, man was out there using his fouls. There's no doubt about that. So maybe maybe he wasn't joking. Maybe that's something I don't know. I I took it as a joke when he said it too, but maybe maybe it wasn't. It wasn't a joke last right. night, right? <laughs> At first, I took it as a joke, and I was like, oh, you know, what have you? But I guess I want to ask you guys. I guess it's just some. It just goes to the pol- polarization because I see the value that he brings, but also. You know, in, if you're thinking about this team being a contender, is it really to your advantage to keep a guy like Dylan Brooks on probably a, a long contract and his mindset is I'm going to use all six of my fouls when in the playoffs that is extremely undisciplined basketball and it can cost you games. Um, and, I, you know, I, sometimes I do tend to overthink, so I'll put that out there. But it's just something I would think about, you know, seeing him get those five fouls. I'm like, man, is that really the guy, you know, with his being a contract year for him, is that really as much as the culture and the tone, the tone it sets? Does it help you? I was going to say right now he's, I mean, invaluable to this roster with with yeah. you losing Kyle Anderson and the Anthony Melton. I mean, he is your perimeter defender. I guess you hope Zaire Williams continues to improve in that vein. But right now, man, I mean, he is the guy. I mean, when you talk about the opposing team's best perimeter player, he's the guy that you need. They don't have excuse me, Kyle Aronson and De'Anthony Melton off the bench to kind of come in and, and, and soak up some of those minutes. He's going to be the guy that gets most of those assignments, and he's going to have to play six big-time minutes that time. So right now, he's super important. That's why I've kind of changed my thought on maybe they would move on from him in the summer. Once they lost Kyle Aronson and De'Anthony Melton, I was like, no, nah, man, they're not They're not going to move him right now because they need him out there for their perimeter defense. But as season goes on, man, things things have changed. Uh, we'll see how, if, if he can – become more disciplined, like you said, and not have so much tunnel vision because I still, long-term, I, I would just be surprised if they pay him because I think he's going to get offers. I, I think he could get $20 million a year. I think you see the yeah. Tyler Hero contract that just came up. I think that's kind of setting the market for kind of what he's going to be looking for. I just don't know if they're going to pay him that. Like, I, I just think Man, long-term, especially with Bain coming up, and yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm all base, but I, I've still always been skeptical and I'm still, even at this point, still skeptical that they're going to pay him what his value going to be, what, he, what his value is going to be on the open market. So you think they'll let him walk for, for nothing? I mean, I, I think you can see a move at the deadline. Like I talked about the Danny Green deal, if they decide that he's not going to be a guy that's going to get back, I think you could package dealing with him. You just It just depends on how the season plays out. But as, as of today, I still, I would be shocked if he ends up with a long-term deal. I think most people are kind of thinking it's automatic that, He's gonna get that deal. I'm I'm still not there yet. I think I'll go on record to say that I think he's a grizzly pass this season. I don't know how long that contract's gonna be. And I don't if you ask me which player I would rather have, Dylan Brooks or Tyler Hero, I'm taking Dylan Brooks a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. But I I feel like the offense that Tyler Hero brings gets kind of man there's no good way to 
you get paid more as an offensive threat than you oh, do no, as a no defensive doubt. style. One hundred percent. And, and yeah. Tyler Hero offensively is better than Dylan Brooks. Yeah. I like. I will never argue that Dylan Brooks is better offensively. There's too many inconsistencies there. But as far as an overall player, I think Dylan Brooks is a better player overall. But I don't think that he'll command that type of money. I, my guess is he's going to be, you know, north of what what they what they pay Ty. It's like fifteen a year. Um, really? Do we? Do we? Win? I don't know. Yeah, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get for twenty. I I I don't see any way that he doesn't. Somebody out there is gonna be willing to pay him twenty. I, I think so. Like oh, and, Tyus, and you, you you may be right. Tyus is Tyus like 15, four, four, yeah. 14, so, 15. And, He's going to so get 40. I, I don't think that Dylan is going to get Ty. I think he would be somewhere between Tyus and the 20 million. Would you think at 18? 18? Yeah. I, and, I think he's getting over that, but we'll see. And yeah, I think that, that you know, for 18, I guess. Kleiman mentioned that, you know, they're going to they're gonna pay their guys. And so – I think it's going to kind of depend, okay, how much does Dylan want to be in Memphis? And is he willing to pay? Because you've got to look at, all right, are you going to pay the set, the the, uh, the luxury tax? And if that's going to be the case, then that opens will. up more money for you. But, you know, you, you've got to look at, you've got uh, Ja under contract, a big contract, Jaron under contract, a big contract. When Desmond Bain comes up, you're going to have to, like, I think that they're probably going to be close to max with him. He's going to have, like, a Jaron type or maybe yeah. more than yeah. Jaron type of money. And yeah. so if Dylan wants to be in Memphis, he's going to have to probably take somewhere in that, like, 15 to 18 and, 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 that, and that's my in point. Order for it to make sense. And it's going to be one of those things. Do you want to be in Memphis with a chance to win a championship or do you want to get $20 million somewhere else? And – you know what? Whatever happens, happens, and, and you know there there is a lot to be said about loyalty. And when when it comes down to it, there's no like in this in in the NBA, it's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business, and players being loyal to a franchise is just ignorant to me because that franchise, if they can get value from you, if they can move you and get better value then what they're getting from you, they will do it without hesitation. You know, Dame and what he's doing in Portland, maybe that is a little bit different. Maybe it is. But I just don't, you know, I hate that I feel like an old man saying this, but you would see people stay in the past. Like, you know, back in the day, people stayed where they were. But teams, like, do you think Michael Jordan stays in Chicago if they don't put a team around him, like if no, he, but it, it was just like Kobe. Kobe was on his way to Chicago uh, yeah. at, at one point, but he, it, yeah, he, he back, begged, yeah. like he he requested a trade because after Shaq left, they they had a freaking shit show around him. Yeah, and he only stayed in Los Angeles because they made the move to get Powell, and they start like they started making moves in order to be a competitive team. And that's, you know, like a lot of these guys get crap because they switch teams. It's like, listen, if a team is going to build around you and you leave, okay, that's a jerk move. But if a team is not willing to put the money out to put a team around you to be competitive, I don't blame you for leaving. And so it's, it's going to be one of those things, Dylan, do you want to be in Memphis? This is what we can pay you. 
if you want to be a Grizzly, we want you to be here. But because of contracts and money and salary cap, this is where we're at with it. And I, I don't know where he's going to be. I'm not even going to speculate on that because I, I don't know. You know, that's not something as media, as fans, we're never going to know a player at that level to be able to tell what his mindset would be. Yeah, my my thing with this, and, and I've talked about this before. I know you guys feel a little bit different. I think that they're gonna, when it comes to Dylan, I think we know that they're keeping Desmond Bank. They're they're gonna extend there. There's no question about that. Barring something crazy happening over the next two years, I don't think there's any question that they're gonna extend him. They've mm-hmm. already extended John. They've extended Jaron. With with Dylan, I think they're gonna have to make the decision on: Do they feel like? Those four guys, that's it. Like, they, they don't really need to add anybody else. Like, these four guys, they're going to grow. Internal growth is going to take this team into a championship. We can win a championship with these four guys. Because I think they're locked in with Josh, Aaron, and, and Bain. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think Dylan is kind of the one that you question. Like, is he the guy that you want going forward? Or are you going to win a championship with him? Is he going to be that fourth guy? And I think that's the decision that they're going to have to make. And again, I think if they let it go into the open free agency, I, I think he's going to get some big time offers. And if it gets north about 18, man, I just, I would be shocked. Maybe they will. Maybe the culture that he brings, like I said, I have no question on what he brings to this locker room uh, right. because he's part of that culture. But once you start talking about 20, 21, like that, that's a lot of money, man. For a guy that you have some questions on whether he's, that guy long-term, so we'll, we'll see. But, again, man, I still think there's a chance that he ends up ends up going somewhere else. Either they move at the deadline or he – with this front office, I don't think they're just going to let him walk. I think they're too smart for that. They're not going to let an asset like that walk out the door. If they decide that they want to keep him, I think you're going to see him moved in February. Uh, but I think that's the question that they're, that they're going to ask themselves. Do they want to lock themselves in? Because at that point, you're talking about small market. You're talking about four guys getting paid. That's about it. You'll be able to work around in the margins and maybe you can – move maybe a Steven Adams and move a couple guys, maybe Tyus um, and, and next year or something if you want to make a move. But once you lock him in, you're going to have to lock Desmond Bain in. If you're talking, you're talking about Max at that point, so, I mean, you're not going to have a lot of flexibility. So you got to make sure that you're sure that that's your guy, if, if, especially if you're going to pay him $19, $20 million. Yeah. There was a, a Pelicans beat writer, and I can't remember which one it was. I wish I could because I'd I point you to the work. But he wrote an article – so very, very similar to what we're talking about right here. And he about was Ingram? referring to the Denver Nuggets oh, and how they, they paid Gary Harris this big money and they handcuffed themselves. They, they paid Gary Harris. They had not fully seen what he was. And so they went ahead and they paid him because in that market, you don't know if you're going to be able to attract the talent and so you've got to pay the guys that you have to see if you can get there. So they paid him, and that led them to have to make moves that kind of set them back, and it limited their championship window. And so Dylan's been in the league long enough. Like, he's not exactly Gary Harris, but the questions are still there. Is a guy that's going to have a high foul rate going to bring you enough value to offset his deficiencies? And – Personally, I would say the answer to that is yes right now, but I don't know that climbing in this front office sees it the same way. It's tough because I lean 
I want to lean no, but I understand the importance of what he's this roster right now with the Jaron injury. I want to lean no. I, my my general my general philosophy on this is if a guy has that many questions, you can't commit that much money. Yeah, that's, that's kind, of, kind of where I am on it. And yeah. and I love Dylan. Like I said, I'm not a one of those bashers that every every game look at Dylan. This Dylan is Dylan's fault. Dylan's doing this. I can't believe Dylan. I can't wait to get him out of here. There's a lot of fans. Like I know some right now. I can name five or six that. Every game on Twitter, they're just on there bashing Dylan. Like, we got to get Dylan out of here. And I'm not one of those guys. I just think, for all the reasons that I said, I just think it's a it's, it's a risk, especially when nah, you're – You, you want to get Santi out of here. <laughs> now, now, if, he, if, if you're taking a discount, if you're talking, you're talking 15, 16, I'm 100% on board. But once this started getting up, you're talking about 19, 20, 21, which I think I think he's going to get offered there. You're talking about a, a, a two-way wing. Um, yeah. I, I think there's going to be some people that's willing to open up that checkbook. Uh, especially with the cap continuing to go up, I, I just I don't know if I'm willing to, do, to to give him that. I just think, especially in a small market, um, and you already got three guys that are going to be making big time money. Do you really want to kind of hamstring yourself and not be able to make any more moves on a guy that has that many questions? I think that's kind of the question. But it, it, it's weird because again, he's a guy that's beloved in his locker room. John loves him. Jared loves him. They love what he brings. What he brings to the locker room. So in this front office. They've shown time and time again, they operate, they move different. This isn't – the things that they do, they don't move the way you usually see other teams. So this offseason, after the season that they had last year, that's not usually what you're going to see from most teams, most teams, what you saw this offseason from a team that finished second in Western County, finished the way they did. This is not how they would have operated. So, uh, again, man, you, you just never know. Uh, with, with Zach Climbing, they marched to the beat of their own drum. So, I mean, you just never know what they're thinking. So we'll see how it plays out. Yep. For sure. And we we uh we went way longer than I thought we would on this show. It is what it is. A lot of good, good stuff, content. Man. Yeah. Enjoy the conversation. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. We'll be back. Uh the next game is Friday at Memphis against the Miami Heat. Uh we won't do a post game that night. It'll come over the weekend more than likely. Um, so we'll get that out to you as quick as we can. We appreciate you guys tuning in. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will 2 1. Yep. You can find me at Candace H901. That's Candace H901. Isaac, take us out. Yeah, man. Heat on Friday. Uh, then they get three days off. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for they travel for the rematch, uh, the revenge game for the Orlando Magic down in Orlando. Um, and they finish out the preseason next Thursday in Detroit before open up for real, man. October 19th, FedEx Forum, ESPN, 6.30 p.m. against the New York Knicks. Uh, that's going to be fun. They already got a line on that game. Memphis a seven-point favorite. So, three more preseason games, man, and they're going to be tipping it up for real, man. I can't wait. But, I mean, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C double underscore NBA. Uh, we will definitely be back. We won't have a post game on Friday, as David said. We will definitely be back next week with those two road games, breaking all that down for the post game. So, until next time, we go. gone.